Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. But this morning, what we're going to be talking about is this. The privileges, somebody say privileges. The privileges of a priest. And I think it's fitting to get started by reading the summary that we find in the book. And what's amazing about this is what's being taught over here is also being taught in Riverside Kids. It's taught in the youth ministry. It was taught in our special needs ministry this morning in a way where everybody can understand it so that way you can get home with your family. You can open up this book and there's a three-day devotional that you can gather around as a family, have a discussion, and have a prayer as well to pray. Has anybody been blessed by this? It's an amazing, amazing thing. And some of you are like, wait, we have that? Yes, we've had it. We mentioned it. But just a reminder, it's never too late to get started with that. But I'm going to read it right here for the privileges of a priest. It says this. A privilege is a right or benefit enjoyed by a person beyond the advantage, somebody say advantage, of most. For Christians, this is certainly true because of what Christ did for us. We now enjoy the special favor of spiritual privileges in his kingdom. Amen? Amen. If you have your Bible, why don't you turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. I want to read from two portions of Scripture. And also, I think I mentioned it, but if you don't have this book, feel free to raise your hand. Our ushers will go around and get you it. But 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, we're going to read one portion of Scripture, one verse in the New Testament. And then also, if you want to, you can go ahead and kind of have your finger in another place. We're going to be reading um, from the fourth book in the Bible as well after this, the book of Numbers, chapter 18, verse 6 through 7. Anybody ready for the word this morning? Awesome, awesome. And this is our foundational scripture reading out of 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. You can follow along on the screen as well. But it says this, but you are a what? Chosen. Can somebody say chosen? Chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who what? Called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Man, after I read that first service, went bonkers, y'all. I almost want to reread it again. But who's thankful you've been called out of darkness into his marvelous light? We can just read that and get out of here. But we're not. We're going to go deeper, all right? Numbers chapter 18, verse 6 through 7, it says this. I myself have what? Chosen your fellow Levites from among the Israelites to be your special assistants. They are a gift to you. And this is God speaking to Aaron. And he said, dedicated to the Lord for service in the tabernacle. But you and your sons, the what? Priests, must personally handle all, must personally handle all the priestly rituals associated with the altar and with everything, what? Get this, behind the inner curtain. I am giving you the priesthood as your special, what? Privilege of service. Who knows it's an honor and a privilege that we get to serve in the house of the Lord. Can we thank God for the serve team here at Riverside Church in every department? Come on, guys. From the worship to the parking lot to media to ushers to greeters, Connect Center, cafe, kids, first time. I can go on and on. Can we thank God for the serve team here at Riverside Church? And I think it's fitting because it is also serve team recruit day. We want to encourage you, if you get a chance, go back in the youth area, even if you have it on your heart to serve once a month in one area. Um, God is growing this church, and it, it's awesome when we come together and each play a part as well. So somebody say it's a privilege. 
It's a privilege. And get this last part. Any unauthorized person who comes too near the sanctuary will be put to death. Talking about the privileges of a priest. Can we pray one more time? Lord Jesus, ha, thank you, Lord, for your spirit that's in this building. God, thank you, Lord, that you are moving, that you are having your way. God, change, God. Right now, we prepare our hearts. Come on. We prepare our hearts. We prepare our minds to receive the word of God. Holy Spirit, do what I cannot do. And that change the heart of your people, Lord. In Jesus' name. And if you agree with that, can somebody say amen? Can somebody say amen? Come on one more time. Can we go ahead and lift up the name of Jesus in this place before we take a seat? He is worthy. You may be seated. God bless you. Thank you for standing in honor of reading of God's word. One thing that we must understand about the priesthood and being part of the priesthood is this, that it was a very prestigious and privileged position to be in. That if you wanted to be a priest, especially in the Old Testament, it wasn't just a profession that you could choose. It was something that you had to be chosen for and even born into. To put things into perspective, the nation of Israel which was God's chosen people, it was made up of millions upon millions of people, or you can say Israelites. And every Israelite belonged to one of the 12 tribes of Israel. And every tribe was comprised and made up of clans. Somebody say clans. So there were a number of clans within tribes, but then within the clans, it was also made up of families. Somebody say families. And it was the tribe of Levi's responsibility they were the ones called to serve God at the tabernacle, in the presence of God. But out of all the tribe of Levi, and out of all the clans and families of Levi, get this, only one family, only one family had the distinct privilege and honor to go within the tabernacle, behind the inner curtain, to serve God as priest. Only one family, and this was a privileged position that only a handful of picked people could go into the presence of God on behalf of the entire nation of Israel. What I'm trying to say, not everybody back then could be considered part of the priesthood. And the chances and likelihood and the odds of you being considered a priest back then was literally a few, a handful out of millions upon millions of people. And as I was preparing for this message and as I was thinking about, about this, I, I, I began to think about what are some of the hardest places and, and positions to get into here in the world. And I came across an article online. It was entitled this. It was entitled, Places Harder to Get Into Than Harvard. Places Harder to Get Into Than Harvard. And I didn't realize how tough it really was to get into Harvard because get this, in 2021, they received over 40,000 applications. And out of 40,000 applications, only 5% or 2,000 people were accepted to get into Harvard. And the dean, the president for Harvard University even said, he said, we receive so many applications every year that we can fill all the classrooms two times over with valedictorians alone. It's a privilege to be part of that university, what I'm trying to say, but can I tell you something? Those odds and those chances are way better 
than being part of other places and getting other positions here in the world. Because, for example, Google, which anybody's heard of Google, right? Google, get this, they receive, they say, over 3 million high-quality applications every year. They say high quality. So it wasn't someone that said, you know, I used to work at McDonald's, now I want to work at Google. No, no, it wasn't like that. They received 3 million high quality applications. And get this, less than 1% of those people ever get accepted and hired on. And so many people want to work there. Why? Because it is known and is awarded year after year one of the best places, not the best place to work out with, with amazing benefits that are there. And if you, want to be in a if you want to be a professional athlete and get into an organization like the NFL, get this. First of all, you have to make it to be one of the 6% of all high school football players. And get this, there's over 1 million high school football players. Only 6%, 6 of them make it into college football. And out of the 6%, out of all the college football players, only 1% of all the players make it into the NFL. So they say it is just as like, likely to be struck by lightning than it is to be drafted into the NFL. I say that to say this, I want you to understand and I want you to grasp how hard and tough and unlikely it is to be accepted into some of the most prestigious and privileged places on earth. But I also came to tell the people of God and remind you and tell you about a position, a title, a calling that God has bestowed onto the life of every believer that is far greater than all the ones that I just mentioned that, guess what, doesn't just come with earthly benefits, but guess what, it comes with eternal benefits as well. And it is no longer reserved or limited to just a handful of people upon millions of people. No, 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 no. The whole world is invited. I all came to tell somebody this. I feel like preaching. It doesn't matter if you have a doctorate like Dr. Al or you got a degree from the community college. It doesn't matter if you graduated high school and have your diploma or if you have your GED. God has called and invited everyone to be part of this royal priesthood. What does that mean? That means that we are no longer on the outside looking in. Because that's how it was for the nation of Israel. The nation of Israel was outside the tent looking in. And even out of the tribe of Levi, all except the family of Aaron and his sons could go behind the curtain into the tabernacle. And can you imagine being part of the tribe of Levi, seeing them go into, go into there and thinking to yourself, I wonder what it's like behind that curtain. I wonder what it's like to be in the presence of God the way that they're in the presence of God. I wonder how it's like to serve God in that way. Man, they are so privileged. They are so, can I tell you something? We don't have to wonder about that anymore. Why? Because we are now enlisted and part of the royal priesthood of Jesus Christ. Oh, come on, somebody. I said that you are part of the royal priesthood of Jesus Christ. Oh, come on, somebody. And now we can all experience the presence of God and the perks and the privileges of being a priest because there are privileges to that y'all for being part of the priesthood of Jesus Christ I wonder how some of you would get right now I wonder how wild and excited and how much noise you would make if you got a phone call or if you got a letter in the mail for yourself or your child saying they just got accepted into the dream college 
oh, you just got accepted into that job. Or for some of you that play lottery, you just won the lottery. How much more can we thank and praise God that we have the privilege of being part of a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a special people? Come on, we've been chosen. We are blessed. We're part of something greater than ourselves. Come on, can somebody say, I'm royalty? Can somebody say, I'm part of the priesthood? Can somebody say, I'm chosen? I'm chosen. We're chosen. Oh, man, I used to think to myself, y'all, I used to think to myself, and I used to, I used to think, you know, I, I know that all Christians are called, right? We're all called as Christians, but only a few of us are chosen to be used greatly by God. I used to think that, and I used to tell people things like this. I said, you know, I said, oh, man, I know I'm called, but I'm going to work hard to be chosen. And we'll forget somebody responded to me one time. I said, they said, man, that's good. I've never heard that before. I said, no. I was like, I'm going to work. I'm gonna be I want to be chosen. And what I based that off of, I based that off the scripture, the words of Jesus found in Matthew chapter 22, verse 14, where he said this. Anybody ever heard the scripture before? Where he said, many are called, but few are chosen. So I used to read that portion of scripture and think to myself, God, I hope I'm chosen today. I really hope I'm chosen. If I'm not, I'm going to hustle. I'm going to grind. I'll take a bath and anointing oil. I don't care what I got to do. Like, I want to be chosen by you, God, for whatever you want for me. And that sounds good at first. It almost sounds like humble. It's like, man, they're hungry. You know, it almost like we think that God just, boom, you're chosen. Boom, you're chosen. No, not you. You know, it's just like we think it's like that, right? But, but can I tell you something? That theology... And that way of thinking is completely and totally off. Because when you put that scripture in its proper context and you look at the words of Jesus before that, you'll see it in a whole new light. See, we need to be careful, y'all, when we take scripture out of context, y'all. Because when you take scripture out of context, guess what? It becomes just that context, like a con man, right? You know, it's just, it becomes context. So, I don't know if there's people that say, I can do things, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Therefore, I'm five foot and I can make it into the NBA. No, no, no. It's that take things out of context, right? You know? <laughs> but here's what's powerful, and I encourage you to read this whole passage of scripture. We're not gonna for this, we're not gonna read the whole passage for the sake of time, but I'm gonna paraphrase it. Before Jesus says this statement, many are called, but few are chosen, he tells a parable, which a parable was an earthly store, uh, earthly story with a heavenly meaning. It was the way that God or Jesus told people stories they could understand how the kingdom of God operates. And he tells this story about this king that throws a wedding party for his son. And the king invites everyone in the region. He invites everyone in the land, from the rich to the poor, to the young, to the old, to the good, to the bad. Everyone is called and invited to be part of the celebration. But not everybody answers the call. Get this. But for those that answered the call and showed up, Jesus called them chosen. Speaking of salvation, get this. Being chosen by God is not anything that could be achieved by anything that you do. Being chosen by God is simply you receiving the call that God has placed on your life. Oh, come on, somebody. I said that. 
If we have received the call and we answer the call, God says you are chosen and I can use you for my glory, for my kingdom, for my namesake. I can use you. It's not just a special few or whatever. Somebody say, I'm chosen. I'm chosen. I'm chosen. So in other words, if you have placed your faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ, God says that you are chosen. Can I tell you something real quick? God has called everybody on the planet. He has called everybody, but not everyone will answer the call. The Bible says that it's God's will that no man should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So God is tugging on people's heart. The, the, the heavens and the stars test, testify to who God is. God is calling on people, but not everyone will answer the call. See, I've heard people say, Man, you know, I was going through a tough time. Then I found God. Can I tell you something real quick? We didn't really find God. God was the one who found us. We simply responded to the call. And when we respond to the call, we become a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. Oh, come on, somebody. Can we thank him that we are chosen, that we have the privilege of being chosen? Because that's a privilege. That's an advantage. That's a benefit. This making sense to somebody this morning. We couldn't earn it. We don't deserve it. But thank God for his grace in our lives. Amen? Amen. I say all of that because before we get into the privileges or the advantages of being part of the priesthood, I think that we need to understand this, that it's a privilege within itself that we would even be considered part of the priesthood. Because it always wasn't that e it always it wasn't always that easy. God told Aaron, He said, "It's a privilege that you even get to serve the way that you get to serve." It wasn't something that anybody could just join in and be a part of. Be part of. That's why we're so blessed. Amen. Now, what I, what I want to do this morning, I want to take a shift right now, and I want to for all the note takers, like, and finally, he's getting to a point right now. You can you can write this down. I want to give you three privileges three benefits, three advantages that we have as believers, as the royal priesthood that the rest of this world doesn't have. And the first privilege I want to tell you is this, that as part of the priesthood, the first privilege that we have is that we have access to the presence of God. The first privilege that we have is we have access to what? The presence, somebody say presence, of God. This right here, in my opinion, y'all, would have been the highest privilege of them all. The fact that the priest, and let's talk about the priest in the, in the Bible, right? The fact that the priest could get as close to the presence of God as they did, or the Ark of the Covenant, because you need to understand there was different levels to the temple or the tabernacle. There, there was the outer courts, then there were, the, there were the inner courts. There was the inner veil, and then there was the innermost veil. There was the, the holy place, and there was the most holy place, or the holy of holies. And only Aaron could really go into the Holy of Holies where the Ark of the Covenant was, but his sons could serve on the inside part. Not everybody could do that. It was so intense, y'all, that God even told Aaron, he said, if any unauthorized person even gets too close to the sanctuary, that they would be put to death. So only a few people out of millions upon millions of people could access and enter into the presence of God. It got me thinking about a story that I heard this past week from my aunt and my little cousin Clyde. Who, as many of you know, the Astros just won the World Series. Anybody hyped up and excited for that still? 
right? They just won the World Series. And what they did, what the Astros did was they had this huge parade, um, you know, in Houston. And reporters are saying that over one million people showed up to support the Astros. And of course, the team was in the parade. Everybody wanted to see the team. They wanted to see the trophy. They wanted to see the coach. They wanted to see Mattress Mac. You know, they wanted to see it all. And you've seen the pictures and videos, right? It was packed. There were literally people like crowded the sidewalks in parking garages, on balconies. There were people on top of each other. There were people in trees, y'all, trying to get a glimpse of the trophy and the players passing by. It was so packed. And my aunt, she wanted to take her son, my little, my little cousin Clyde, little boy. And so she put on Facebook and she asked, she said, hey, is anyone else going to the game? I, I want to take Clyde. And she ends up getting a message, y'all, from a friend of hers who, get this, is a director for one of the colleges whose marching band is being able to march in the parade. And she said, why not, like, I know you want to see the parade, but wouldn't you much rather want to be in the parade? You know what? You and your son, you can lead the charge for the marching band, be in the parade, and go behind the scenes and see everything that's taking place. And I asked her, like, how it was and everything. She said, man, it was intimidating at first. I'm not going to lie, Caleb, because it felt like there was millions of people just surrounding us or whatever. And she said that every five feet, there was an officer, SWAT team member, state trooper. There was somebody there every five feet keeping the rest of the people from entering and being into the parade. They could only go this far. I got a video of it right here to show y'all real quick. Check this out. And they're looking at the people in the trees. And every five feet, look, there's an officer. There's somebody there. And it's, it's crazy. Look, there he is. You can tell which one's Clyde right there. So they're just covering. There's people all over. People in the balconies. People in the trees. And Clyde, he has no idea how much of a person. He's just jumping up and down, you know, going crazy. And he said, we heard he had the time of his life. Look at that. And that's the YMCA song. So look at the people in the balcony. Okay, you can show the next picture. Check out this picture. Look at it right there. Leading the charge and the marching band. My little cousin Clyde, he was part of our wedding as uh, the ring bear. I love it. Never really needed to know that. But, <laughs> man, he's awesome. But here's what got me. Clyde, as young as he is, as little as he is, he has no idea. But his mom knows how much of a privilege, how much of an advantage, yeah. how, how much more, like, compared to other, not everybody could do that. There were literally guards keeping people from going into the parade and doing something crazy, right? He had no idea, but he was able to go behind the scenes, be in close proximity to other people. They even took a picture of Mattress Mac. He did all that, much like I think the priest had access to the presence of God going behind the curtain. And if anybody tried to cross the line, they would be in serious trouble. You, there was a line saying, you cannot pass this line. But here's the beautiful thing, and this is the amazing thing about Jesus. Jesus was passionate about getting people into the presence of God. Jesus was intentional about sitting down and spending time with people. Even those that the rest of society say, they don't deserve it. Because who knows, to spend time and sit down with Jesus is to sit down and spend time with God. Jesus, the fullness of the Godhead dwelt bodily. God in the flesh. God in car. To spend time with him. And I, I'm reminded of the story of Jesus 
as Jesus is going from region to region, area to area, and he's, he's, he's walking, and it's almost like a parade of people on the side just, just trying to get a glimpse of this Jesus that, that is healing people. He's raising people from the dead. He's opening up di- blind eyes, opening up deaf ears. He's casting out demons. He's preaching. There's thousands of people leaning in, listening to what he's saying, and Jesus is passing by, and people just want a glimpse to see him. And Zacchaeus, somebody say Zacchaeus, who was a lowly short man. He was a chief tax collector. He wanted just to get a glimpse of Jesus. So what does Zacchaeus do? He climbs up in a tree, in a sycamore tree, trying to see Jesus. And as Jesus is passing by, Jesus does the unthinkable. And he takes the time to make a beeline straight to Zacchaeus, who's up in a tree, Far away, there was this line that even he felt like he couldn't cross, right? And he says, Zacchaeus, come down from there. For I'm going to be a guest at your house today. Oh, but guess what? All the religious and snobby people around them were saying, oh my gosh, does Jesus know who he's talking to right now? He, that guy just stole money from my tia last week. He's attached. He can't believe he flipped on us. He, he's part of us, but now he's taking our money. He's extorting it for the Roman and the Roman Empire. But Jesus didn't care about all that. Jesus just wanted to be a guest at his house to spend time with him. Just like God wants to spend time with us and us be in his presence. But Jesus knew. Huh? Jesus knew. Because who knows, it would take forever if Jesus was like right here on earth right now sitting down. The line would be like so many people, right? It would take, you'd be like two seconds with Jesus, all right, you know. But Jesus knew that in order for his spirit, in order for the presence of God to not only for us to see it, but for the presence of God to be with us and in us, he knew that he had to hang up on a tree on his own. And he knew that he had to pay the ultimate price. And in his dying breath, he said this. He said, it is finished. And the Bible says in the Gospel of John that the veil and the curtain, what was going on behind the scenes, the place that only the priests could enter into, it was torn from top to bottom. And now the Spirit of God is available to us as believers that the same Spirit that resurrected Jesus Christ from the dead lives and dwells in, and lives and dwells inside of us. I came to tell you, we have access to the presence of God in our lives. You have access to God 24-7, 365. Can I tell you something? You can feel the presence. Has anybody ever felt the tangible presence of God in their life? before oh come on somebody that means it doesn't matter it doesn't matter if in your if you're in your car or in your closet you can experience the presence of God it doesn't matter if you're in your cubicle at work in the office or if you're at school you can feel the presence of God it doesn't matter if you're here at church or in a hospital bed in a prison in a cell Because we're covered by the blood of Jesus, we have a privilege as priests to access the presence of God. See, that's why Jesus said this. That's why Jesus told the disciples, he said, it's to to your advantage. It's to your benefit that I go. Because when I leave, 
I'm going to send the helper. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And I've been with you, but now I'm going to be in you. I'm going to be with you all the time. Come on, somebody. Can we thank him for his presence in our lives? For the joy, come on, the joy, the peace, the strength, the love, the wisdom, times where we didn't deserve the presence of God. We need to understand this, y'all. Get this. There's a difference, though. There's a difference. Because we need to understand this. Talk about a privilege. There's a difference between the omnipresence of God and the manifest presence of God. There's a difference between the two because you may be saying to yourself, well, Pastor Caleb, I thought God was everywhere. I thought God could see me wherever. Yeah, he can. The omnipresence of God means that God is everywhere and he can see everything. The prophet Jeremiah said it like this in Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 24. He said this, can anyone hide himself in secret places so I, not shall, so I shall not see him, says the Lord? Do I not fill heaven and earth, says the Lord? But there's a difference, y'all. Between, he was talking about the omnipresence of God. But there's a difference between saying God is everywhere. But who knows, there's also a difference between saying, man, God is here right now. I feel him near right now. See, the manifest presence of God is when the presence of God, when God makes himself known and you can feel his presence. And the, the fact that he is with you is clear and convincing and shows up in a number of different ways where you feel the tangible, real presence of God. Guess what? That same presence would have killed people thousands of years ago. The presence of God that we take for granted at times when we come to church, when we put on a worship song, and we feel something much more than just goosebumps. We feel something in our spirit. That same presence would have killed people thousands of years ago. But Jesus laid his life down on the cross. And now we have the privilege as the priest to go into different places and feel the presence of God. Come on, anybody thankful for his presence in our lives? <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. That's what the priests got to experience. They got to experience the tangible, manifest presence of God, where the glory of God would fill the temple. Not everybody got to experience that. But now we as priests were chosen, and we can feel the presence of God. Amen. Can we thank him for his presence this morning? We got to move on. The next privilege I want to talk about that we have as priests is this, is that we have access to a fresh perspective or a clear vision. That as priests, we have the privilege of having a perspective that a priest has. Who knows that when you spend time in the presence of God, it should begin to change your perspective and the way that you see things. I think about David, whenever I think about this, you know, because he was in a place where, where he was seeing things the wrong way. And it's been said before that if you change the way you see things, the things you see will change. If you change the way you see things, the things you see will change. Many times it's, it's something wrong with our vision. 
I think of David in Psalm chapter 73. Get this. In Psalm chapter 73, two verses, 3 and 17, this is David. Get this. But here's, here's what made David, David different because maybe you're saying, he's a king, though. He's not a priest. Guess what? David, what made David unique was this. Not only was he king of Israel, but he was also part of the priesthood. David not only ruled over the nation of Israel, David at times would go into the tabernacle and perform priestly responsibilities as if he was a priest because he was royalty, but he was also part of the priesthood. He was the OG royal priesthood, in other words, what I'm trying to say. And there was a time in his life, and get this, he says this, for I was envious of the boastful when I what? Saw the prosperity of the wicked. Oh, isn't this relevant for us today? Until I went, get this, until I went into the what? Sanctuary. He went into the sanctuary. The place that other people would die at if they got too close to. Only the priest. But he went into the sanctuary. And he, and he says this, until I went to the sanctuary of God, then I understood their end. So in this scripture, we see David at a time in his life where he's viewing things through a worldly and fleshly and carnal lens, and he's seeing things the wrong way. And it wasn't until he got into the sanctuary as a priest that he began to see things the way that God began to see things. And can I tell you that in a similar way, and that in the same way that we as priests, we should see things differently than how the world sees them? Can I tell you that you have access to a perspective that not everybody else has access to? Why? The Bible says that we are seated with him in heavenly places. We have a different perspective when we are in his presence. That we don't look through the eyes of fear, but we look through the eyes of faith. See, here's what we have to be careful of. I say that because we have to be careful. Listen. If we just focus and we have our eyes fixated and focused on all the negative and worldly things, our vision won't match up with the vision of God. And when we have two different visions that collide, right, what is that, what do you call that? Division. And we wonder why some of us are going crazy, are confused, because we're looking things through an earthly and worldly lens. But can I tell you something real quick? And you may be saying to yourself, Caleb, but like, I'm, I'm talking about physical sight. No, I'm talking about spiritual sight. David also wrote, Lord, open up the eyes of my heart. What we see, what God is doing. See, because what we see, we can see with our eyes. But you know that you can close your eyes and have a vision as well. And you see what God is doing. See, that's why we have to be careful, y'all. Because I don't know about you, but my eyes of faith, I know it's election season right now and everything. Our eyes of faith cannot be fixated, unfocused, and we should not be shaken or stirred depending on who or who isn't in office and by the economy being turned upside down. No, no, no. We can't allow that to bring division. I'm thankful for the privilege of being an American, but can I tell you something real quick? We don't worship this. Can I tell you something real quick? The privilege that we have that's greater than being a citizen of America is to be a citizen of the kingdom of God. And we have our eyes of faith, not focus on what's going on in the world. Because can I tell you something real quick? 
If we just focus on all these worldly things and we focus on our, and compare and do this and compete, can I tell you something real quick? You're not going to have a clear vision. But if you have your eyes of faith on Jesus, the author, the perfecter, the finisher of your faith, you are building your life on the right foundation. Oh, come on, somebody. I came to tell someone. I came to tell someone. You've had the wrong perspective. It's time for a paradigm shift in your life. You've been looking at all these things, and you're allowing it to influence your vision. And they say that your eyes are the window to your soul. Be careful what you focus on. Man, who knows? Like, some of us, we need a new prescription. I'm reminded whenever I was in school, y'all, and whenever I was in school, like, whenever I was in elementary school, middle school, I didn't have a whole lot of issues, but, but what I would do was, I would sit, like, I was the person, much like probably the people in the back, I sat in the back of the classroom, right? Anybody, anybody sit in the back of the classroom or the teacher's pit that's sitting in the very front of the classroom? I wasn't that. I was like, God, I'm going into ministry. I don't need to know algebra and geometry, you know what I mean? I was like, <laughs> wrong mindset. Do not have that mindset, y'all, you know? <laughs> but who hasn't used those equations in years, right? Just be honest. Just kidding. But I would sit in the back of the classroom, and, 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 and what happened was, Especially in my high school years, my vision gradually just got a little worse and worse. And it happened like little by little. And I would sit in the back of the classroom. And I won't forget, I would move up a little closer. And I would sit like a seat further. And then I got to another table. And I got to another table. And then I sat in the very front of the classroom. without I didn't have no glasses or nothing back then. I would like square. I'm looking. I'm like, man, what's going on? So I told my parents. They probably should have taken me to the eye doctor sooner. I told my parents, like, man, I just can't see good. And whenever I went to the eye doctor, y'all, I will never forget the moment where they put my prescription on. Anybody remember that moment? And I was like, that moment where they put it on, I was like, whoa. <laughs> Yo, like, this, I, I've been missing out on this, like, my whole life. Like, things seem so, seem so much clearer. Things seem, seem so much better. Why? Because I'm looking through the right lens. Oh, come on, somebody. Some of us need to get a new lens. We need to get a new set of eyes. We need to stop focusing on all these things. We need to allow God. We need to say, God, change the way that I see. God, give me vision. Give me insight. Oh, come on. Can you imagine if God gave you a fresh vision for your family, a fresh vision for your life, your calling, your ministry, your business? Why? Because because God has a heavenly perspective. He sees the end from the beginning. He is the alpha, the, the omega, the beginning and the end. He sits in eternity and he's saying, hey, take a seat right here. Don't be worried. Don't be afraid. Sit with me because I have a different perspective. Oh, come on, somebody. I, I think of the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul. What was it? He was on the way to Damascus to go and kill and persecute more Christians. And as he's on the way to go and kill and persecute more Christians, Jesus appears before him, a bright light. And it took one vision and glance at Jesus, completely changed life. And guess what? He was blind for three days. But even though the apostle Paul was blind, he could see clearer than ever before. Because he wasn't seeing things with a physical perspective, but from the spirit, his eyes were opened up. And there's times, y'all, where he even says, 
in Scripture at times and verses. Let God open up the eyes of your heart, your understanding. That's what happened to David. Anybody want to have the perspective of a priest in their life? How does it happen? Spending time in the presence of God. Somebody say, it's a privilege. It's a privilege. We got to move on. The next and last privilege of the priest that I want to talk about this morning is a worship team. Y'all can go ahead and come up. Anybody getting this word this morning? Making sense to y'all? Pray so. It's a privilege that we have as priests is this. We have access to the provision of God. That God doesn't only want to give you a clear vision. He wants to supply you with provision. Somebody say provision. You know that God sees your needs and he wants to help supply those needs? Because here's the thing about priests. Priests were not worried about their needs being met. Priests were not concerned. Oh, you know how uh, we gotta get we gotta keep these these lamps on with oil. We gotta we gotta do this. We what am I gonna eat? What am I gonna do? No, no. They didn't worry about that. Why? Because they knew that as they served God in his house, that he would take care of their house. They would receive a portion of the sacrifices of animals that were given for them to eat off of as well. And a portion of the tithes and offering that came in, they received a portion. Why? Because people came and they sacrificed and they gave and God took care of them in that way through the sacrifices. And can I tell you something real quick? Us today, let's bring that to, to our, our language and today. Being part of the royal priesthood, can I tell you that the sacrifice and the price has already been paid? Jesus, the lamb slaughtered on the foundations of the world. He knew our greatest need. And he supplied and he provided. He was the ram in the thicket. And can I tell you something? Everything that we need to be made whole and complete, it starts at the sacrifice and the price that Jesus paid. Can I tell you something real quick? Because some of you are thinking, oh, we're talking about money right now. What are we talking about? No, 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 much more than that. That God can meet your needs. He's Jehovah Jireh. And when we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, all things will be added unto us. I'm thankful he said all things. I'm thankful he didn't say, and you'll get some money here and there. You'll get healed here and there. He said all things. If you need healing in your body, can I tell you something? You can find provision in the stripes of Jesus that were on his back. If you need healing in your mind, you can find provision by the crown of thorns that were placed on his head. See, that's why the apostle Paul said in Philippians chapter 14, verse 9, he said, And my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. We seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. I can tell you so many stories, y'all. Even today, man, God's just showing up. And sometimes I think to myself, God, man, I wish you came a little sooner. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, where we had a need, it's like, man, I don't know how he does it. Even last minute, he shows up. We pray. I can't tell you even times in me and Brooklyn's life, we've been only married a few months, but there were times where we could have been worried or stressed out. But we said, no, we're going to come to God because we have the right as priests to boldly approach the throne of grace. And we pray together and say, God, you see this need. 
we, at, we pray that as we do your work, you would meet it. And guess what? God has never failed us. And my family, all the years in ministry, all the years in church, times where a check came in the mail for the exact amount that we needed because God placed it on somebody's heart to give it and they had no idea about the situation or times in our life where we felt like we went through hell and we needed peace in that moment. Who knows? I think this is the greatest privilege of them all that we have access to the high priest. Jesus, he stands in the gap. He's right in the middle. He sees exactly what you're going through. And he's telling everybody, he's saying, come to me. You're tired, you're weary, you're broken, you're hurt. Come to me, I will give you rest. Whatever you need, it can be found in the presence of the Lord. Can we thank him for his provision in our lives? Can we stand to our feet in this place? And can we just seek him in this moment? Can we just praise him right now in this moment? As we get into this song, I don't know what you may have need of. I don't know what you're going through. But today, today is the day we understand our privilege as priests. We have access to the presence of God. We have a different perspective, and God brings in provision. Come on, can we worship? Can we pray together? Lord Jesus, right now, I pray over every person underneath the sound of my voice, and I pray right now that you're speaking and that you're moving. We thank you, Lord, for your presence. We thank you, Lord, for your presence. We thank you, Lord, even those who haven't felt your presence. We thank you, Lord, that as we draw near to you, that you will draw near to us and that you can get to work, Lord, right now in Jesus' name. I pray right now for a fresh vision. A fresh perspective right now. Right now. A fresh perspective now. See things in new life. And we thank you, Lord, that you will supply every need. In Jesus' name. Come on, can we worship him? Thank you for listening to today's message. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. For more information about who we are, visit RiversideChurchTX.com.